Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. Please open your Bible to Psalm 139, Psalm 139. I have in my hand here two pens. I have a Bic pen that costs 69 cents, and I have a Montblanc pen that costs $374.99, and that's Walmart price. It's not mine, so don't judge me for having it. This, uh, this Bic pen writes. The Montblanc pen does not write. A 69-cent Bic pen does what it's supposed to do. The Montblanc pen does not. The purpose of a pen is to write. If it doesn't, it's a failure. You know, you and I were created to have a living, intimate, purposeful, worshipful relationship with the God who created us. And when it's all said and done... If our lives don't operate according to that creative purpose, ultimately, at the end of time, our lives will be a failure. Psalm 139 provides us with some theology and some meology. In order to understand who we are, we need to understand who God is. We need to understand that that what we think about God and our view of God has everything to do with how we think about ourselves. That is, if you see yourself as a creation of of Almighty God, it changes everything about how you see yourself and how you live out the purpose for which you were created. Psalm 139 is a radiant psalm. Exploring it and living it is vital to living with our sense of worth. It also prepares us to pray dangerously. So let's pause to pray, and then we'll look at the psalm. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful that we have your word in our hands, that we might know you and that we may understand who you've called us to be. And I pray today, Father, that indeed will happen. It will inch us closer to the heart of God and welcoming you more deeply into our lives. Thank you for your presence among us. In Jesus' name, amen. So you have the psalm open by now. Let's, let's, see, let's see David's progression of thought. First of all, he starts with what God knows. He knows all about you. Right at the beginning, he says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. And what that means is that God knows your character. Now, what everybody else knows about you or what they see about you is your reputation. What God knows about you is your character. He sees that. God also knows your conduct. Verses 2 and 3 read, You know when I sit, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. In preparing for this message, I, I, I picture it being a fun assembly. If we were all able to be together in one place, and uh, for instance, if you happen to all be crammed in this room today, and I went up in the catwalks, and I drilled a hole and put a peephole in, and I preached a message from up there. And while I'm preaching, I'd say, hey, John, you keep scratching. You got, a, you got an itch there? Karen, you popped some gum in your mouth. What kind of gum was that? I, I want to know what kind of gum you're choosing. Hey, Tom, you're dozing off over there. 
You know, you have, you have a bad night, you're on some medication or something. It'd kind of be freaky, wouldn't it? To be seen, all our movements and what's going on. Now, that could be a threat to you to think that God sees all that. Or it can be a truth announcing to you that God loves you so much, he can't take his eyes off you. Then God also knows your contemplations. Verse 2 also says, you perceive my thoughts from afar. God knows whether or not you're paying attention to this psalm as we deliberate on it. He knows what your plans are for the day. He knows the motivation behind every action you ever take. Sometimes we'll see a person uh, close to us and they seem to be staring. We'll say, penny for your thoughts. And maybe you'll get the truth and maybe you won't. But there's never a time when there's no thought in us at all when we are awake. You may be full of something that embarrasses you or you may be filled with something that would give you praise by fellow citizens, fellow human beings, and even from God. God also knows your conversation. Verse 4 says, before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Do you know we speak in an average day enough words to fill a book, uh, in a lifetime to fill a library? The Bible says in Matthew 12, 36, the words of Jesus, I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. God hears every word. Somebody well said once, many things are opened by mistake, but none as frequently as the mouth. Every careless word that, that is spoken, God knows. Every well-chiseled word that's perfectly stated, God knows as well. God knows everything about you and me. If you're in Christ, that brings you great help and it brings you comfort. If you're not in Christ, it can terrorize you. David also then goes to speaking not only about what God knows, but where God is. In fact, he says, God is always with us. Verses 5 and 6, you hem me in behind and before, and you always lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. David can't take it all in. To think that, that God, God, what God knows and where he is, it's too much. He finds it stunning. You know, Mary and Martha, remember when Jesus finally got there when, after their brother died, that if, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And we see that through the course of our lives sometimes. Oh, God, where were you? And, and, and I don't understand why you didn't show up when I needed you. And it's a, it's a false understanding of God. Um, Jeremiah 23 says, Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord? Am I not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do not I feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord? I'm so grateful that as his church scattered today, wherever you are, and the church gathered in the building, wherever we are today, we're all enjoying the presence of God. Even if you have to watch alone today, be assured you're in the presence of God. He is so good. Let me remind you also what the psalmist says here. He says, death doesn't hide us from God. Verses 7 and 8, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. You know, the devil is not the Lord of hell. God is the God of heaven and earth and hell itself. God is over it all. And if you die without Jesus, you will awaken to a godless 
a godless place, even though God is the one who made that place for Satan and his demons. He doesn't want any people to go there. It wasn't created for people. It was created for the devil and his demons. Sadly, real people go there. The truth is that we can die, and the next time we open our eyes, we can open our eyes to the presence of Jesus. I know when my time comes, I'm going to look forward to people who have died before me that I get to see again. But more than anything, I get to see the face of Jesus first. That is, that is the, the reward of the life of faith. Distance. David says, doesn't hide us from God. Verses 9 and 10, I will rise on the wings of the dawn if I settle on the far side of the sea. Even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. That phrase, the wings of the dawn, I like. They're like the rays of the sun. Uh, David was there on the shores of the Mediterranean. You know, light travels 186,000 miles per second. And David is saying, if I could hijack a light beam, I could not escape from God. You know, there are a lot of people that move around a lot in life. They change houses. They change countries. They'll change cities to live in. They change jobs. And sometimes, I think subconsciously, it's sort of an effort to to run from God. But be assured, wherever you may be running in life, God is already there when you get there. Isn't that an amazing thought? That, that, That God doesn't have to go anywhere. There's nowhere you can go where God is not. He's already there. He's never in a place where you can finally escape from him. When you're finished running from God, he's going to be right there waiting for you. You may be, you may be watching today, and you know deep inside you are still really running from God, and there's no profit in that. He's always waiting you to finally run into his very arms. Darkness doesn't hide us from God. Verses 11 and 12 say, if I say surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. Jesus said, there are some people who love the darkness more than the light. You can't pull the shades down around you in darkness and over you and somehow hide from God. God has excellent night vision. He can see the evil things done in the darkness, but he also, in your darkest night of life and experiences of life, when your hope is fading, he has excellent night vision then too, and he can appear right there in the darkness to comfort you and bring light to your life and hope for your life. I hope you know that. So then David also says, this is what God says. Verse 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me. Are your thoughts, O God? How vast is the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Now remember, God, by his Holy Spirit, is inspiring David to write these words. So as David pens them, he's actually telling us, 
God's view of us. This is what he says about us, two basic things. You are no accident. You are not pond scum. You did not some, some mysterious way appear. No, God made you. He formed you in your mother's womb. Who He knit you together. You are unique. What a mighty God he is to do this. Not only that, the second thing is saying is you are always in his heart. You're always in his heart. God loves you. I, I find it so mysterious that people dread God, that they fear coming near him. People run from God all the time. This is the, this is the devil's thoughts to get you to think negatively about who God is, that you don't have to be accountable to him, that you can run your own life. It's, it's a major lie of the evil one. So as David began this psalm, remember, he, he's saying, this is too much. I can't get this in my head. I can't get away from you. You know, everywhere I go, God, that's where you, that's where you are. Uh, it's almost as if David sounds terribly uncomfortable. We live in an age when cameras are everywhere. In fact, this week, Indianapolis announced that they were spending $750,000 to put more cameras into areas of the city to help fight crime. Now, that can make us nervous if we think too much about it, that we're always being watched. There's a purpose for that in the cities and the inner city areas, particularly. But you know it's true in relationships? There's sometimes a fear in being known by people. We don't want to get too close to people. We stay guarded. And sometimes I fear that we think if people will know us too deeply, then we won't be, we will be judged, we'll be exploited Uh, They won't like who they see. It's hard to be transparent. And I think that's how David feels at the beginning of the song. But did you notice the turning point? He comes to a turning point in verse 17 when he says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. A better translation of that is, How precious your thoughts are toward me, O God. How precious it is, God, to know that when, when you think of me, you think highly of me. Those of you who have born a child. You know what it's like from conception that you start dreaming about that child. You think about all the potential for that child. You think about all the, the beauty and all the memories that will be made with that child. David is saying, beyond diamonds and gems and jewels and everything, uh, you, you see me as being more worthy of you than those things that lie under the earth. You see me to the very bottom of who I am and David begins to rejoice in that. And it's, it's not until we get there, friends, that we're able to pray dangerously to God this prayer. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way away in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, that... that that is a dangerous prayer. But you see, you, we, can never, we can never pray that prayer until we know how deeply we've been loved, how intimately God knows us and sees everything. Nothing is hidden from him. And nevertheless, he says, I want you with me. I want you, I want you deeply woven into who I am as God. And I want you with me forever. Search me, test me, know me, lead me. Have you ever had any... Uh, Questions about your health. Let's say you're flipping through the, the paper and you see you can get a heart test for 49 bucks. 
ah, I'll give it a shot. Turns out okay. And you know, after you go through that, it's not a real rigorous test. It's sort of a surface kind of test. You can have some problems in the heart and they never see it because it's not that kind of test. And I fear so often that's how we treat the scriptures. Well, have quick devotion, listen to a sermon casually, walk away, go to a, go to a home group or some kind of Bible study, and then walk away without much introspection. It's like the $49 test. That's not what David is saying here. He says, God, turn the searchlight on. I know what, no, no matter what you find in there, I know you're not going anywhere. You have proven yourself to me over and over again, and I want to become better for you. That's why this is such a dangerous prayer. It's about being exposed. It's about being humbled before the God of the heavens and being challenged to change. When you realize that God is the source of your identity, that he's the best you can ever become, you find, and you find his thoughts of you are precious. Oh, it's so freeing. Brothers and sisters, we cheat ourselves by not drawing near to the heart of God and praying this prayer that indeed is a risky prayer. It's hard to pray it. So there again, here we have the outside of the psalm. David says, look, God, you, you hem me in. I can't get away from you. But now, by the end of the psalm, God loved, David loves that God sees him and knows him, knows all about him. He loves him to the moon and back and everywhere in between. Are you stuck? Are you stuck somewhere and you're not sure? You've, you've just been playing it safe you're not sure if you want to give yourself over that much to God. How do we move from getting stuck in this fear of being known and then welcoming the examination of God? What do we do about that? It's a conundrum. You know, we, we, we want to get away from God, and yet we were made for God. We resent the presence of God, and yet we were built for the presence of God. And if, if you really would get away from the presence of God, it would be disastrous psychologically, spiritually, physically, it would be a disaster. There would be total disintegration of life if you really got away from God, if I got away from God. But praise God, it doesn't have to be disastrous. Why? That's why we come to the cross. It's on the cross that we learn so much. It's on the cross that we see Jesus the one that truly got cast away from the presence of God to the degree that he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken for me? Forsaken me? We never have to pray that. We never have to say, God, why have you walked away from me? We don't have to say that. It was on that day that we call Good Friday that darkness, utter darkness, fell on the earth, representing the darkness that Jesus himself felt from noon until three in the afternoon. The darkest season of your life is nothing like the darkness that he experienced. Jesus was stripped naked on the cross, vulnerable, mocked, cursed, abused. He went through the ultimate dehumanization. Why? It all started when God saw your unformed body, when he wove you in the secret place when he was knitting you together in your mother's womb, he saw you. And because he knew what would happen in our sin and rebellion, because he knew your sin and rebellion, my sin and rebellion, he did something about it. 
he went to the cross. The God who created you is also the one who redeems you. The one that we so often um, resist is the very one that never stops coming after us. The very one who is the architect of your soul is also the architect of your salvation. Do you know that? And are you enjoying that today? When you finally get there, that in Christ alone, you become your very best, that in him, you have your identity, that he is the one who, who helps you be all you are meant to be. When you finally get there, then you're able to say, oh God, Turn the searchlight on in my life. All the places I don't even know are dark in my life. All the cracks and crevices I've never identified before God, shining on there. Expose me. I know whatever you find in there, you're still going to love me. And you're going to rescue me. You're only going to make me better as a result. And that's what I want, God. So, so search me and test me. Know me. And then please lead me. Now, that's not very poetic, but the way David says it, it is. So why don't you pray it out loud with me right where you are right now. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's continue to pray. Our Father in heaven, we come now to the cross of Christ. And it's there, Father, that we see this one who has indeed rescued us from sin and shame. I thank you, Father, for knowing what we need the most, our Redeemer. And so as we gaze upon the cross together, as we take these emblems together, Father, I so pray we'll have the courage to also pray, God, search me. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church or would like to plan a visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.